Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Have plenty to discuss here now that we're kind of just in our weekly podcast mode. Uh, plenty to touch on. We'll, we'll touch on the NFL draft, share our takeaways from that in general, big picture wise and from a Miami perspective. Uh, we have plenty to discuss with the transfer portal. Now that it is closed, but players that have entered the portal uh, still have to figure out their landing spots and make decisions. And, and we'll touch on some guys that Miami's interested in that are in the portal. And then I want to uh, I want to touch on some JUCO guys Miami's offered here recently, Gabby. I want to touch on some summer official visits that are getting set during the month of June. Maybe bring some new names. Uh, names that we've touched on a little bit, but just kind of emphasize them even more now that they are scheduled to take official visits here in June. So plenty to touch on. I want to start, though, Gabby, with the NFL draft. And from a Miami perspective, a big congratulations to Tyreek Stevenson, goes in the second round. Will Mallory goes in the fifth round. And DJ Ivy, who is a seventh round selection. So Miami finished the draft with three players selected. That was more than expected, I think, uh, going into the draft. It was uh, widely expected for Miami to only have two guys picked in Stevenson and Mallory. Ivy snuck in there. Happy to see that. He's a good guy. Works hard. I think there's something still left to tap into there from an NFL perspective. So I like that. But Gabby, when we look at this draft just from a Miami Hurricanes perspective, this 2023 draft, to me, the takeaway with this class in particular, I think it makes the case for, you know, recruiting, developing big, lengthy, athletic frames. Uh, and, and all those guys, Stevenson, Mallory, Ivy, Played a lot of ball, too. They're, they're all four- and five-year players here at the college level. All played at least 1,700 snaps, whether it's on offense or defense. Uh, Mallory and Ivy played each close to 2,500 snaps. Uh, and so I think the big takeaway here is, look, always bet on big athletic bodies with pro mentalities. I think all those guys check those boxes. When you land a lot of those type of guys, the cream rises to the top. That's when you produce more numbers with the NFL draft. You know, Miami wants to produce more than three in a year, and they should be expected to do so. Um, but really, that's my big takeaway. You know, nothing nothing crazy for Miami with this NFL draft class. 
uh, you'd like to see more guys selected on the first and second days. Um, but that's also a reflection of a five and seven season. Gabby, what was your takeaway with this Miami Hurricanes draft class? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I guess along similar lines, I think that one, it was, I, I think it was a really big deal. I mean, just that I think DJ Ivy was able to sneak in there. I mean, that like, again, good for him. I think that, I think that's awesome. I mean, Miami, I think, again, we both expected to really just have two guys. So for them to have three guys drafted, I think that that's awesome. Um, but still, I think it's also a testament to just how far, like how, how much room, how much there is really to tap into uh, for Mario Cristobal and these guys, just from a roster construction standpoint, like they, they need to bring in more NFL quality talent. Uh, three, I, again, I don't think that that's the standard at Miami. They don't want to just be uh, having three guys drafted. I mean, two guys really at one position, uh, which is great. I mean, you want to see your two starting cornerbacks drafted, but I think that you want to see that same sort of theme across you know, the board, maybe at other positions, not saying that's going to happen every single year, but I think at more spots, you want to see a couple of guys drafted that that you're starting that are contributing. So I, I think that, you know, again, it's, it, it's a step, uh, but I think the way that these guys are recruiting, I think that you're hopeful that down the line, you're going to get more of that NFL quality talent. And I think that really that's just the formula to this, right? Like that's what they're trying to do. They're looking for guys whose skill sets or body types are what the NFL is looking for. And I think that that's why you're seeing them go so heavy, especially along the offensive line, um, you know, at, at positions like that. And, um, you know, along the, the defensive line too, I think that that's one spot where maybe they don't have those prototypical uh, you know, NFL standards, uh, you know, with, with guys in terms of body type. So I think that they're working their way closer to that. Uh, still again, five and seven season, you got three guys drafted, you know, really snuck in a third one. Uh, I think that there's, I think looking ahead, I think you got to be hopeful or believe that, you know, there's going to be more NFL guys rolling through the program here in the future. The star Horton group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami Dade, Broward and Palm beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Starr is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Starr knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Starr directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561-573-4661. If you do look ahead, how confident are you? And there's a long ways to go. And these, you know, year prior to predictions on draft classes it's fun fun fodder in the off season um but the, it's it's very tough to project oh, yeah. a year from now uh first round picks nfl draft picks etc how confident are you that miami's 2024 draft class next year is going to be better I think it's going to be better. Uh, I think a lot of people on the program think that that's finally going to be the year where pro day looks the way that it's kind of, you know, supposed to look again, there's optimism. Like you said, there's never really a certainty because you don't know how things are going to go, but you got guys like, you know, JV and Cohen, uh, the Alabama transfer who was invited to the, you know, the combine symposium 
or whatever that he missed the first spring practice. I think you're optimistic that he's going to be a guy who gets drafted in 2024. Uh, a guy even like like Matt Lee, like you know the guy playing you know just to his right. Uh, you know Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal. They had a center drafted in this past draft class in the seventh round. Alex Forsythe. That's a guy that they developed. I think you know they feel really good about Matt Lee and what he could be. He could be someone that eventually get that that gets drafted next year. Uh, I think that they're preparing to lose him after this year. So I think that they expect him to potentially be uh, an NFL draft pick. So I think you have to look at Matt, Matt Lee. Um, on the on the offensive side, you're going to have Tyler Van Dyke, who I think has made it pretty clear that this is going to be his last year at Miami. So you're going to have a quarterback. Uh, at, at one point, people thought Tyler Van Dyke could potentially be a first-round pick. Can he play his way into being maybe, you know, a quarterback drafted? I think I think so. I think that that's, uh, you know, it's it's okay to be optimistic that Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, cleans things up in 2023 and could potentially play his way into being an NFL draft prospect. Um, so, you know, you can have Tyler Van Dyke on the defensive side. You got Akeem Mesidor, who's, uh, you know, a, a defensive end who I think has some tools. I'm not sure where he kind of falls in that. You got Leonard Taylor, who's one of the, you know, according to pro football focus, one of the top interior defensive linemen in all of college football. Cameron Kitchens, an All-American safety who's draft eligible. Let's see how James Williams looks in this Lance Guidry defense. Can he play his way into being a draft prospect? So um, I think that there's a lot more guys here that are in play and guys who who you could look at them and just say like, you know what? Yeah, that guy could could potentially play in the NFL. Let's see if it all comes that way. But I do think that 2024 class is going to, is going to be the beginning of what it's, what I think they're hoping it's going to look like annually in terms of just having guy NFL guys rolling through. Yeah, I think, and again, this is just broad, big picture view, but I think when I look at it, I think there's like 14 guys with a chance in terms of like size, speed combo, uh, that the NFL would be intrigued by. Now, some of these guys will still have years of eligibility remaining after 2023, so they got to, you know, make that decision, et cetera. But it's a, a lot of those guys you listed, like Tyler Van Dyke, Cohen, Matt Lee, Zion Nelson, Jalen Rivers, Akeem Mesador, Jafari Harvey, Leonard Taylor, Francisco Maui Goa, uh, James Williams, Cam Kitchens, and then I think even guys like Colby Young, if his production jumps significantly, he could catch the eye of, of NFL draft scouts because of his size. Elijah Arroyo, I think if he makes a full recovery, same could be said of Jared Harrison Hunt. So I would personally set the number for just NFL drafts, NFL draft uh, picks from Miami in 2024 at like five and a half. Um, you know, I think that that six draft pick threshold is where you start getting into like the top 10 of colleges producing NFL draft picks in a single uh, draft. And that would be a nice accomplishment for Miami as they're trying to get back on track. Is there a first round pick? I don't know. I don't, I, I can't pound the table for it right now. Uh, there's guys with first round pick potential, um, but they still have to go out and produce on the field. So it'll be interesting to follow. And of course, if, if Miami does exceed that five and a half number and has a first round pick, you're probably looking at a, at a nine or 10 win type of season. Um, so, you know, there is some correlation there in a way. I want to talk to Gabby about like big picture takeaways and how they apply to Miami, um, you know, via recruiting, via, evaluation at the recruiting level out of high school 
and you go and look at this was a, a weird draft i feel like gabby for the state of florida and south florida in particular because you know the, the numbers are there the the raw numbers in terms of the state of florida produced 36 players that were drafted which was the most of all states and south florida uh you know dade broward and palm beach produced 11 draftees but you look you dig into it and um you know south florida the top or the first round picks uh were kind of under the radar guys kalijah cancy the pittsburgh defensive tackle out of miami northwestern zay flowers the university school wide receiver who went to boston college um those were the top picks out of South Florida in this draft, which I think is unusual when you compare it to recent years here where there's been a pretty good track record of five stars slash top 100 level recruits from South Florida going on to be first round picks. Um, let's just start with those two guys in particular, Gabby, Kalijah Cansey, Zay Flowers, What's your take? It's easy to obviously in hindsight say, oh, Miami missed badly on these guys. Um, but I think it is fair to say Miami can't let two of those type of guys get out of South Florida to program to lesser programs. Um, I think you got to get at least one of those guys. You got to recognize the potential of at least one of those guys. And I think they flirted a little bit with Cansey from a evaluation standpoint um but gabby i'm just curious where you stand on this because you're obviously highly involved in recruiting both those guys from a physical trait standpoint uh you know the body types are smaller but they do possess elite quickness um for their position groups where do you stand on miami missing them do you hold it against them in a big way yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like it's it's hard. And again, you know, obviously I wasn't like around when those guys were kind of coming up. So it's it's hard to say. But I mean, again, I, I think that my, I mean, especially with Kalijah Kansi, uh, you know, it seems like Miami was aware of of him. Like you're saying that Miami recruited him, was evaluating him. Um, I think they I mean, if I remember just kind of reading some of Ivan's stuff or maybe even through conversation, I think they elected to just like like they made the decision to like kind of like not really go that route. So I think that that, you know, the Kalijah Kansi maybe more so than Zay Flowers, um, you know, who again, I, I think is he like, again, a Zay Flowers type is a guy that I feel like is easy to kind of, you know, there's times where you can see how a guy like Zay Flowers kind of just falls under the radar in South Florida, where there's a million, there's a million skill position guys, there's a million good receivers, you see a lot of, you know, quicker guys who are maybe a little bit undersized, and you don't really know what a lot of those guys are going to become. So I feel like Zay Flowers, you know, him going to Boston College, and he was a good high school player. But I feel like that's kind of maybe one of those situations where you're just like, hey, like, you know, that did happen. But I mean, was anyone, I mean, Florida state didn't go after him. I mean, it feels like, you know, all of the big three kind of passed up on Zay flowers, a lot of other big schools too, if he landed at Boston college. So I feel like that's one of those situations where it's just like, man, I guess you just don't really know how certain guys are going to develop, but I think Kalijah can see that, you know, again, that it feels like they were kind of going after him. They were evaluating him at least and missing there. I think that, you know, that one maybe stings a little bit more than the Zay flowers one. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. 
This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. My bigger frustration, I think, with both those guys, because I, I kind of I get it from a high school evaluation standpoint as to why Miami wouldn't maybe be like go all in on them. But in this transfer portal era, I personally, and maybe this is expecting too much, maybe this is unfair. I think if you're Miami and you miss on those type of talents, you have to do whatever you can to get them in the portal and get them on your roster. Once you realize, oh, wow, we missed our bad, but we want those guys on our team representing South Florida. Do you think that's unfair? No, I, I think they, I mean, they probably tried, right? I mean, I think Zay Flower, I, sure. I, I know they definitely tried to get uh, Zay Flowers uh, through the portal. And, you know, I don't know, I guess I don't know how much I want to say about that. But I mean, obviously they were not successful, but it did feel like, uh, you know, once Mario Cristobal and these guys got here, and they kind of realized that error. I think they definitely tried to correct it. Um, and they did, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe have some of those, I don't know, background conversations, whatever the case is. Um, so, I mean, they de- they definitely tried to get Zay Flowers. Kalijah Kansi, I mean, I don't really know too much about all that stuff. But, um, you know, again, I think it's someone that they definitely should have tried to get in the portal or I don't know. I, I, I think before the season, before this whole draft process, I think I was kind of unsure, like how high is he really going to go because of maybe those lack of measurables or ideal measurables. He tested, he ended up testing off the charts. So no wonder he went in the first round, but I thought that maybe he was someone that you could sway to potentially come back to college and hit the portal. And maybe Miami could try then that obviously never happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, both of those guys are guys who, you know, should have, potentially been targeted in the transfer portal. Zay Flowers specifically, I guess, just decided to go back to Boston College. And, uh, you know, hat tip to him because that worked out for him pretty well. You look at other, the other South Florida players that were selected uh, in this draft. You have Tyreek Stevenson going in round two. He, of course, signed with Georgia. He did transfer to Miami. So he, so Miami pulled off what I was basically lamenting earlier with Cansey and Flowers. Uh, Jordan Battle went to Alabama, of course. He goes in round three out of St. Thomas Aquinas. Tyler Steen went to Vanderbilt out of high school, transferred to Alabama. He comes out of St. Thomas Aquinas as well. He goes round three. Yasir Abdullah, who is from Carroll City High School. Miami kind of evaluated him early on too, kind of similar to Cansey and just never went all in. He went to Louisville and was selected in round five. He's a linebacker. Mike Morris, he was a guy Miami kind of went all in on early in that recruiting cycle. Uh, You know, I don't know how interested he necessarily was in Miami. I think his dad had a relationship with Mark Richt, which helped. I think his dad played at Florida State, if I remember correctly. So that's the connection there. But he ended up at Michigan. A.T. Perry, just kind of a late bloomer type that thrived at Wake Forest, wide receiver at Wake Forest. He went round six. Nesta, Jade Silvera, signed with Miami, of course, transferred to Arizona State prior to this year. He was selected in round seven. DJ Ivy, round seven. Kenny McIntosh, the running back at Georgia, round seven. 
So when I go through this list, Gabby, are there any in particular that sting you in terms of, man, how did Miami miss that? Or this position would have been nice to have on the team over the last two or three years, et cetera, et cetera. Or how did they miss this guy at this pipeline school? There's lots of different ways to go about this. Is there anything in particular with this list that stings you? Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a couple. And again, I think it's just the benefit of hindsight. I mean, Yasir, yeah. Abdul, Yasir Abdullah, I think, is one, you know, a kid at Carroll City. He had a really, really good career at Louisville, uh, you know, played linebacker, uh, kind of came up, like rushed off the edge a little bit, too. I think he's someone that definitely could have helped Miami over the past few years. So Yasir Abdullah is definitely, definitely one. Um I mean, I think, Kenny, I mean, Kenny McIntosh, I guess hurts a little bit. A.T. Perry to me is a big one. That's just like, man, like this guy just went off and had an extremely successful college career at a position that again, Miami kind of struggled with, particularly in 2022, like A.T. Perry is, is one that, you know, again, kind of just hurts. And, you know, we kind of talked about it with Micah Mays last cycle. Like it feels like, you know, I think Miami maybe tried to write that wrong with A.T. Perry by kind of going after Micah Mays, but Micah Mays was already kind of set on Wake Forest, but I mean, I think those are the types of dudes that get out and end up having good careers that I think kind of hurt. I mean, Tyler Steen, I feel like there's not really much you could do about that. Like, I I mean, he signed with Vanderbilt. I think he started off his career playing like but, defensive line. What do you think? But, you know, a guy like that playing at St. Thomas Aquinas, he clearly has the frame. Should Miami let that guy leave? Like they've taken worse offensive linemen from out yeah. of the area. Does yeah, that I make mean, sense? Yeah, it, it does. But again, like I, no I, one I, would I, have seen him become this, maybe, I think is fair to say. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, you're, they haven't been terribly successful at STA in general. Why not try and get in there? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a good point. Again, I, I didn't see him in high school. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what he was at that point. I know he played a little bit of like defensive line when he got to Vanderbilt and then moved to offensive line just based on like, what I've read and then obviously had a great career. I think that's another one where the point, I mean, he was a transfer and I think, you know, Miami did kind of kick the tires as, as a transfer when he was leaving Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I, you know, Alabama ended up getting him. I mean, what, what can you, I don't know how, what you can really do there, but I think sure. we can have that same transfer conversation with Tyler Steen. Like maybe you should have, you know, righted that wrong by getting him in the portal. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of those guys, man. I mean, a, lo a lot of them, I feel like would have ended up helping. They ended up becoming NFL guys, um, you know, Jordan Battle, of course, you know, was 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 a stud. Kenny McIntosh, I mean, his older brother played at Miami, so like couldn't really figure that one out. Of course, again, had a great career at Georgia, so you can't really blame him for for going that route. But I mean, I feel like some of the guys that the, the ones that kind of like irked me a little bit more were the guys like maybe went off to like smaller schools where you're like, man, if Miami would have pressed a little bit, probably could have got him, and you probably have a, a couple more NFL guys on your roster. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. So I went back and looked, Gabby, the top 100 NFL draft picks, right? So that's essentially the top three rounds. I went back and looked, okay, how many of these 
these guys that were selected in the top 100, did Miami even bring in for official visits? Um, you know, because to me, I think one thing that is notable with this Mario Cristobal regime is they're not shying away from big time recruiting battles. They are going after top 100 players, bringing them in, you know, at a high clip in the spring. I think when I counted last, Gabby, it was like 27 top 100 players visited since 2023, which is a high, high number. Uh, so I went back and looked top 100 players selected in this 2023 NFL draft. So in round one, all the players selected in round one, none of those players took an official visit to Miami. In round two, only one player took an official visit to Miami. That was Tyreek Stevenson. They ended up, they didn't end up getting him in high school, but he transferred to Miami, of course, as we know. And then in round three, they had three players take official visits. DJ Johnson, who ended up signing with Miami, transferred to Oregon. Uh, he was selected in round three. Darnell Washington, the tight end at Georgia. Miami was maybe number two in that recruitment. Uh, and then Jordan Battle. Uh, Miami got him in for an, a summer official visit. He ended up uh, later that fall kind of blowing up. I think he was an Ohio State lean and then at the end uh, signed with Alabama. So overall, top 100 players that were drafted, Miami only brought four of those guys in on official visits. That strikes me as a big problem. Yeah, Does that strike problem. you the same yeah. way? That's that's pretty that's pretty that's extremely concerning data. Extremely concerning yeah. data concerning data. Um, I think I think where you can kind of feel optimistic about the future is that it seems like that's going to change because right. they're that's my point. They're hosting a ton of top 100, top 247. I mean, guys who I bet will eventually be drafted in this same exact range, David, which is what you're recruiting. You're recruiting to find guys who are going to be high level NFL draft prospects. They can't all be, but all that stuff. Right. You know they're 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 all they're definitely on the right track. So wow, that is that's kind of scary stuff. Um, but again, and I, I is is it's it's kind of telling, right? Like it that shows up on Saturdays, right? Like yeah, what what, what we're seeing here from this program, uh, you know, again after you know the first year of the Mario Cristobal era, or really again not a ton of his guys, some of his guys, not a ton of them. Uh, it, it, it was a five and seven team. It, it was a team that was not talented enough to compete at a high level in the, you know, the scope of college football and what that entails. And again, I think that this is just the importance of recruiting and having a recruiting minded operation, which Miami does have now, but wow, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's scary stuff. But again, now, you know, again, it's, it's not surprising to hear something like that when you consider what's kind of taken place, what's happened on the field. I think the main point here too, is like at the end of the day, recruiting elite talent, is kind of a numbers game. And, you know, you're not going to land all these elite talents that you're chasing, but if you chase a bunch, you're going to land your fair share. And, you know, prior to the Mario Cristobal era, I think there was a reluctance of getting in battles with Alabama or Ohio State or Florida. Um, they would shy away from those because they just assumed there was no chance they could sign those type of players. And that's not happening anymore. So uh, that's kind of just why I wanted to highlight that. Uh, last thing too, 
you know, we talked about guys that's local guys that stand out, you know, from this 2023 draft class that sting, you know, we've referenced here how it's mind boggling in some ways, how wide receiver running back and corner, uh, in this current roster is not where it needs to be. Uh, you know, we've kind of been pounding the table that Tyreek and DJ Ivy were pretty good college players and that these cornerbacks are, aren't necessarily of that caliber. I feel like this NFL draft kind of bears that out. Um, but you look at this 2023 draft class, Zay Flowers and A.T. Perry are big-time receivers that would instantly have changed Miami's offense. Um, Kenny McIntosh, his brother, of course, is RJ Richard McIntosh, RJ McIntosh, played defensive line for Miami um, in those 2016-2017 years. You know, thinking back to that Kenny McIntosh recruitment, you know, Miami never really made him a significant priority. They were kind of interested in him. Kenny was never really all that interested back. And so Miami kind of never really fought for him on the recruiting trail. He ended up, you know, going to Georgia. Um, but that 2019 class was a transition class uh, to Manny Diaz. And I think at that time too, Miami kind of had their sights set on the 2020 running back class locally, which featured Don Chaney and Jalen Knight. And in my, in my opinion, you know, recruiting, you can never look ahead at classes down the road. You have to maximize your current class before you look ahead. And so Miami didn't sign a running back at all in 2019. Um, and, you know, it, it does make me think, too, like Kenny McIntosh, um, you know, with this current coaching staff, uh, you know, the way they battled for Mark Fletcher. Um, he was committed to Ohio State for a lot of the cycle in the fall. He decommits. Florida's the team to beat as soon as he decommits. But Miami never stops battling, and they end up signing him. I think Mark Fletcher has a chance to be drafted, kind of similar to how Kenny McIntosh had a chance to be drafted once he came out. So, um, you know, I just think in general, Miami has to do a better job of evaluating local recruits, putting the effort in, welcoming those battles, and protecting the home turf. You're not going to land all these guys, of course. That's unrealistic, but they have to do, they have to produce what more than, I mean, it's hard because Nesta technically was a Miami recruit, a commit, DJ yeah. Ivy, of course, and then. I guess they get credit for Tyreek Stevenson. So, but anyways, I think those numbers are still on the low side. What about state of Florida? Cause I think state of Florida is interesting too, in a lot of ways, South Florida produced 30% of the state, um, you know, draft picks, which I, to me, I think is on the lower side for a typical year. Um, and you know, th this includes now with the state of Florida, Will Mallory, who's from Jacksonville. If you look at the schools that produce the most prospects from the state of Florida, it's kind of interesting too. Illinois had four players from the state of Florida. Devin Witherspoon, who's from the Panhandle, Jartavius Martin, 
who's from the Fort Myers area. He went round two. He's a defensive back. Sidney Brown and Chase Brown, they're twins, a DB and a running back, went, uh, came from Canada, but they played high school ball in the Bradenton area. Four players selected to Illinois. Florida also had four. Anthony Richardson, Gervon Dexter, Ventral Miller, and Amari Bernie. Georgia had three, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Kenny McIntosh. Uh, would have been five if you count Tyreek Stevenson yeah. and Amir Speed, who transferred to Michigan State and was selected. So um, any takeaways on the state of Florida draftees? Yeah, I think just Miami needs to be better in their home state. Like, you know, we're talking about, you know, Georgia coming in. And, and of course, I mean, Georgia's going to get theirs. And Georgia recruits Florida, you know, as well as anybody. And I think you have to always understand that, you know, some of these major programs are going to come into Florida, especially South Florida, and and recruit their guys. But I think, you know, if you're Miami, uh, especially with the way that it's kind of being prioritized now, I think you need to find a way to keep the best players in the area, you know, or in, evaluate in, in Miami. better. You right. know what I mean? So, yeah. and that, and that's hard. And that's hard because like, there's a lot, I mean, is. a lot of these guys, you know, again, like you, like what Illinois does, like, I mean, that, that's just, I mean, I they think, can't, I, they can't have more than Miami. They can't. No, of course not. Of course not. But I think you also have to tip your cap to a, a school like Illinois. Cause who else, I mean, I, again, I don't have it all in front of me right now, but who else was recruiting some of these guys that went to Illinois and became, you know, NFL draft picks. So, I mean, I, I think that there, right. there's, there's always going to be those, those guys that, that get out, those guys that kind of, you know, develop later and, you know, these schools that do a good job of hitting on those guys. But I think Miami does need to do a better job of evaluating some of these guys getting on them sooner and then just kind of closing and keeping, you know, the lion's share away from, from a school like Georgia, who is again on an insane run right now and Florida, who's, who's just a rival. So I think that they're, uh, you know, they're on their way. I, I think, you know, they, they, I think they did a, a pretty good job in Florida, you know, here in, in 20, in that 2023 class. I mean, you know, for, I bet for, you know, I would bet Francis Malagoa is someone that's, that's going to potentially get drafted. You mentioned Mark Fletcher. I bet he's someone that yeah. could potentially get drafted. I mean, I think that they, they, they're starting to do a better job, but I think it needs to be consistent where you're kind of just, you're, you're evaluating the right guys. You're bringing in the right guys. You're just doing a good job of keeping, keep playing, keep away from some of these other big time programs. And yeah, man, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough, but you know, I think that, you know, again, if Miami wants to kind of climb that ladder and, in in you know, the big picture, you know, of college football, they need to, they need to lock down the state, man. I think, you know, to my point earlier about top 100 draft picks, Miami only hosted, what was it? Four, three or four of those guys on official visits. So that needs to grow at the same time. They need to do a better job of evaluating not even the top end talent in the state, but just like, hey, these guys have like, for instance, in the last class. And again, this isn't an indictment on this current staff. This is all previous coaching staff deficiencies and errors. Um, but like, let's see if a Frankie Tinelau goes on to be drafted because he was a three star recruit, but he has physical traits that are intriguing with his size. Uh, Same could be said of Tommy Kinsler, who's also a three-star offensive lineman they landed in this uh, recent recruiting class. So uh, they just got to do a better job of really evaluating the state in terms of, okay, maybe this player is, uh, you know, a late bloomer, but he's long. 
and we like his mentality and he's going to work hard. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said for that as well. And I think this staff is going to do a better job of that. Um, this 2023 class though, just highlighted how they've been deficient in that area, in my opinion. Um, when I look at college football playoff teams too, Gabby, there's definitely a correlation in terms of NFL draft success and college football playoff teams. Georgia produced 10 NFL draft picks, which was tied for the most uh, with Alabama, who also produced 10. Uh, over the last two NFL draft cycles, Georgia has produced 25 draft picks, which is most over a two-year period. I wonder how many years we'd have to go back for Miami to to have 25 NFL draft picks. Uh, TCU had eight NFL draft picks. Michigan, nine NFL draft picks. Ohio State, six NFL draft picks. Each of those college football playoff teams featured at least one first-round pick. You look at the conference breakdown. SEC, 62 picks. Big 10, 55 picks. ACC, 32 picks, Big 12, 30 picks. So basically the ACC and the Big 12 combined to equal the SEC. And that's what the Big 12 currently constructed with Oklahoma and oh, Texas. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the ACC, in my opinion, Gabby, continues to trend to being kind of wide open there for the taking. Clemson and Pittsburgh tied for the most NFL draft picks in the conference with six each. Next was North Carolina with four. Louisville and Miami each had three. My opinion, you look at the underachievers in terms of talent relative to their uh, records last season. Alabama, of course, we said had 10 tied for the most. They should have been a college football playoff team last year. I think that's pretty evident. And then Honestly, like you look at Florida, Florida had six NFL draft picks. Uh, they had a, whether or not you agree with it, Anthony Richardson is a first round pick as a quarterback. Um, Gervin Dexter, second round pick as a defensive lineman. Uh, Florida had six. I think Osiris Torrance, who was their transfer offensive lineman, was also a second round pick. Six NFL draft picks. And they, went what six and seven maybe this past year um so they underachieve schools that produce the same amount or more nfl draft picks than miami houston had four nfl draft picks old dominion had three nfl draft picks um so just kind of an interesting overview and again it's not a perfect correlation to on-field success but it is an indicator i think a little bit of the talent level of a previous year's team. And it can also provide kind of a report card in the recruiting process in terms of evaluation and just, you know, being able to win recruiting battles against big time programs. So that's all I got for the NFL draft. Gabby, you have anything else you want to add? No, man. I, think, I, I mean, you crushed that with all the, with all the data. I think it's, I think it's extremely telling and, uh, you know, like I, I think this is all information that I think, my, again, Miami can learn from where you can yeah. study some of these guys 
that, you know, went to some of these smaller do. schools. Yeah. And you look at the trades, like what, what did we miss here in high school? And again, not when I say we, I'm not talking about this current Miami staff, but just in general, what did uh, these schools miss on? What traits did this guy possess that Illinois kind of banked on them while, you know, everyone else kind of passed up on them or, you know, just, just things along, along those lines. And again, I think just the, the, the nature of just like, how many top 100 draft picks didn't visit. I mean, that's an astounding number. But again, I think that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, you know, with the way that these guys are are kind of going about their business, it it, it should be better in the future. So I'm, I am optimistic about that. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we will jump into Transfer Portal Talk. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. All right, we are back. Gabby, I believe the portal's now closed. There's been it closed officially April 30th. There's been some some guys here in these early days of May who, you know, the paperwork's been getting in late, et cetera, et cetera. But I would assume now that we're here at Wednesday, what, May 3rd, that this is it in terms of the portal. Uh guys jumping into the portal. So again, what does this mean? It means no more guys can enter their names in the portal to transfer and be eligible for this upcoming season. Um, It does not mean that guys that have not picked their destination are out of luck. They are still guys that are in the portal can still pick their destinations by the start of this season and be eligible to play from a Miami perspective. Miami only loses three players in the spring window tight end Khalil Brantley which we knew at the start of spring football, defensive end Jabari Ishmael and defensive end Thomas Davis. Gabby, um, we don't need to discuss, like get too much into detail in each one of these players, but I personally am a little surprised by the numbers. Uh, only three guys entering. I expected it to be at least five. Are you surprised by that? Yeah, I'm honestly pretty surprised that it ended up only being Three And I, I honestly, I'm mostly surprised, not because I was just like waiting on any like specific player to hit right. the portal, but I think we saw the chaos that kind of was this spring transfer window. And, and like, I don't know, man, like just, I feel like if you're on kind of like a two deep roster during this period, like, I feel like you had so much kind of like power, you, you have so much power just because like schools obviously don't want to lose. You can't lose you. Uh, you know, I feel like there's so much opportunity for you to just be like, all right, this is what I need, or I'm gone. And you kind of have the ability to just kind of get up and go and search for whatever it is you're looking for elsewhere. And that would leave a team kind of stuck. So I do feel like, you know, we, we saw so much of that, right. We saw so many guys transfer so many, like, oh my goodness, like this guy's on this, this guy's available now, that guy's available now. Uh, those types of things. So I think for Miami to kind of keep this thing intact, I think there's a lot to be said about that because there's a lot of schools where that wasn't the case, where dudes were just kind of like, you know, hitting the portal left and right or or whatever the case is. 
And yeah, Miami had to stumble through maybe that Tyler Van Dyke situation, but it got resolved relatively quickly. And so, you know, I, I, I'm surprised that there wasn't any, like any shockers. That's just like, dang, like, you know, maybe yeah. let's say like a, a Daryl Jackson in the December window where it's like Miami didn't want to lose that guy, but they lost him because the transfer portal, um, you know, so I think it's good that, uh, you know, everyone who contributed or is expected to contribute at Miami in 2023 uh, stayed around. Cause again, I think that this was a situation where, you know, it, it, Miami could have just not been so lucky uh, or, or just whatever the case is. So I think it also says a lot about the buy-in uh, just from a lot of the guys on the team uh, Miami's NIL situation and all that stuff being strong enough to keep their players happy and making sure that, you know, things are all kind of, you know, all, all smoothed out in that regard as well. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I think that it's a big, big win for Miami to only have lost three players and none of them would have really done anything in for, for them in 2023 anyways. So, um, I do, I, maybe I'm surprised that some of like maybe the lower level guys didn't just leave, like maybe more guys yeah. in that tier of, the like Jabari Ishmael. Out. Yeah, like maybe put, yeah, I think that's a fair way to say, like pushed out like a Jabari, like more of those, like those types, the Jabari Ishmaels, the Thomas Davises, the Khalil Brantleys, the guys that are maybe a little bit more buried down the depth chart. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's kind of interesting as well. Uh, but I also think that it's because Miami does have some flexibility with their spots. Like, I don't think in their mind, at least last I heard that there wasn't necessarily a numbers crunch where we're just like, we really, really need to get down to this number because we need these spots for whatever. Like to me, I think they're operating as though they had the space that they needed uh, yeah. to go make moves if they wanted to. So I don't even know if they're in a situation where they had to go push guys out because we're like, dude, we need that scholarship. Yeah, I think that's well said. I, I am surprised they did not push more guys out. And so when I checked in on this, like, just why not? Um, you know, I, I guess the feedback I got, and you could you could roll your eyes at this or view this as spin, but the feedback I got was, you know, I think internally they've, you know, there's no doubt that from a pure talent perspective, you could make the case for pushing plenty of other guys out, right? But they they said on the flip side of that, they are pleased with the overall buy-in of these players that are on the lower end of the talent spectrum that are on the team. And quite frankly, they're pleased with you know the overall development of those players as well from, from the month of spring football. Um, so from a culture standpoint, I think they're comfortable with keeping those players around from a buy-in and good vibe standpoint. That's not to say those guys that did enter the portal were, uh, you know, bad vibes type of guys. I'm not saying that, but uh, I I feel like the the messaging I got was, look, yes, the talent still needs to improve dramatically, but we are also kind of embracing the cultural aspect of raising this program to where it needs to be. So. Um, that's the feedback I got. In terms of transfer portal additions, Miami got some good news earlier this week. What on Monday? My days are running to get together here. Yeah, Monday it is or- Monday. Mo- Mo- Monday night. Monday night, seven p.m. Cornerback Jaden Davis, uh, who jumped in the portal from Oklahoma, comes from St. Thomas Aquinas. Plenty of experience in his game. Plenty of starts at Oklahoma. He announced he was transferring to 
Miami. What does this addition mean for the Hurricanes, Gabby? I think that, you know, Jaden Davis, and we're talking about the NFL draft. Do I do I think that Jaden Davis is necessarily going to be an NFL draft pick next year? You know, I wouldn't say that very confidently right now. But look, I mean, I think this is a room that lost both of their starting cornerbacks to the NFL with DJ Ivy and Tyree Stevenson being drafted. You're replacing them with Devontae Brown, a UCF transfer, Daryl Porter, who kind of you know, sat who sat behind both those guys last year. And I think that there's still Miami still needed to elevate that room. I think that you needed to just add more talent into the equation. Um, you know, again, I don't think that either of these guys are on the level of DJ Ivy or Tyreek Stevenson right now. But, uh, you know, I think that you just kind of bringing in more the, the influx of talent. And look, Jaden Davis, like you said, David, he's a guy that's played a lot of football. I mean, he started over 20 games uh, for Oklahoma. He's played in 50 games over four years. He's an experienced guy. He's a veteran. He's going to come in and he's going to do the right things. Uh, I think that there's something to be said about guys like that. And again, does I think Jaden Davis helps the quarterback, the cornerback room. I think he definitely raises the floor. Again, I think he's someone that brings you sort of experience. He's a guy that's played. I mean, how many snaps has he played? I mean, I think it's like fifteen hundred. About yeah, yeah, fifteen hundred snaps. I mean, you can't just. I, I feel like that's experience that matters. And again, this is a cornerback room that needs to just continue to be pushed, and they they need to continue to add talent to this room. So uh, I think Jaden Davis is someone who accomplishes. Uh, you know, that of just, again, just putting, adding more competition to it. He can, you know, battle for a starting role. Uh, I think he's someone that's going to get on the field. He's going to play. He's going to do his job. And I think, uh, you know, again, I think it's a solid addition for Miami here in 2023. Yeah, I think when you look at the cornerback room now with Davis, you feel good about, you know, four corners. I think ideally you want to have a cornerback room where you feel comfortable with playing five of those corners now the way those snaps are divvied up is up to the coach but you want to be able to be comfortable with five corners and so now Miami has Devontae Brown from UCF like you're referencing Daryl Porter Jaden Davis to Corey Couch to me that's your clear-cut top four I think maybe Terry Roberts who transferred in from Iowa can be your fifth maybe Damari Brown a uh, enrolling freshman here this summer, very talented, but is he going to be ready to play right away? That's to be determined. Maybe he can be your fifth corner. You know, Chris Graves and Malik Curtis to me are still developing to that point where they can be trusted on the field. Um, and so, yeah, I think you feel good enough now about four corners. Um, again, not NFL level talents, not where it needs to be, but guys that are acceptable uh, at a power five level defense. And then hopefully they can figure out that fifth level guy, uh, fifth corner, whether it's Terry Roberts, Damari Brown, Chris Graves, Malik Curtis, et cetera, uh, moving forward. So, you know, we talk about just incrementally raising the floor of this team coming off a five and seven season in which this team was undeniably five and seven. Um, Jaden Davis is an addition that helps improve the floor of that room. Other players uh, to know in the portal, Gabby linebacker is now appearing to be a position of need. First, let's just talk big picture. Why Miami feels this way? Why do they feel like it is worth it to go out and get a veteran linebacker when 
they went out and added Francisco Maui Noah, who is, I think, going to be a nice addition at middle linebacker here uh, after he had a strong spring. And Wesley Besaint, who I think is talented, maybe still developing a little bit. I think the future is extremely bright with him. Uh, but maybe there's something to be said for for bringing in someone that can push him still a little bit. Yeah, I, I just just like that, man. I, I think that because of those things, where yeah, you know, I think everyone in the building knows that Wesley Besaint, his future is extremely bright at Miami. Uh, you know, they're really excited about his skill set, what he can do. Uh, they're really excited about what he did as a true freshman. But I think he's someone who you know is still kind of maturing physically. Uh, you know, he, he was I think he was a little bit over 250, 205 pounds. Uh, as a freshman, he's probably a little bit closer to 215, maybe 220 pounds now. Um, but, you know, again, th- this is – I think that linebacker is an extremely physical position. Uh, you know, again, he he has all those tools. But if you can go out and get a veteran that can push him – and not, that's not to say Wesley Besaint can't beat this guy out. But, you know, you have you feel like you kind of solidified that Mike linebacker role with Francisco Malagoa, who, you know, they're extremely excited about. And then you look at – you know, just uh, North, the North Texas linebacker transfer, Larry Nixon, the third, uh, you know, he's someone that Miami's really, really looking at. We'll probably get on campus for a visit this weekend. Uh, he's like, you know, he, he's an experienced guy. He had 105 tackles at North Texas last year. He was a, he was a first team all conference USA linebacker, six foot two, 236 pounds, an older guy who is a veteran who's proven that he's willing to tackle. And again, I, I think that there's going to be so much focus on winning in 2023 that if there's a position on the field where you see that that there can be an upgrade or that you can create that really quality depth where you can rotate multiple guys in, I think you go that route. And I think when Miami's evaluating this linebacker room, they see that Francisco Malgo is going to be a stud and they believe that Wesley Besaint will be good and is good. But I think that they know that they can just elevate the room with a, with a transfer like a, a Larry Nixon, uh, you know, the third, if, if that's the direction that they chose to go. Yeah, he played, to your point, he played over 1,900 snaps in his career on defense. You mentioned 105 tackles last year, 245 tackles for his career. There's also another linebacker they're interested in as well. Tell us about him. Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices, ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. Yeah, uh, a Division II All-American, a two-time national champion at that level. Uh, That's a Ferris State's Connor Near. Another one who's who's just physically mature. Three. He, this will be his third year of college football. Listed at he's six foot two. Posted on Twitter that he's around 230, uh, 234 pounds now, I believe. Uh, so again, a, a, a physically mature guy who has got it done at that level. Um, again, I think there's obviously still a leap there. Maybe that's not as maybe sure of a thing as a, a Larry Nixon would be. 
But look, I mean, there's, I mean, Oklahoma has offered Connor Near, Michigan State has offered Connor Near, West Virginia's offered Connor Near. Uh, he told me that there that he hopes he's gonna come down for a visit at the end of this week. I wouldn't be surprised if it's over the weekend. They're having a transfer official visit weekend that I'm sure that we're, you know, that we're kind of gonna get into a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Connor Near is down here in South Florida visiting Miami. Uh, so those Larry Nixon, the third Connor near the two names at linebacker really at that will linebacker spot that I think that they're kind of evaluating right now. Yeah. Again, it's like you said at the D two level, but last year he generated 66 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for last three sacks yep. national champion. I think they're two time, two time national, champ. national champ, back-to-back national champions. Yeah. And he is originally from Michigan. I think the early, early vibe is keep an eye on Michigan state because of that reason, but, uh, but we'll see how that plays out for Connor near. Um, how about defensive tackle? That of course is a position of need that we all know about by now. I want to start with Taiwan Malone, who is a guy that's in the portal that we've discussed plenty here since he's entered. He's six, he goes six, four, three Oh five, number 63 overall recruit in the country from the 2020 one class, I believe. Uh, signed with Ole Miss, only played 97 defensive snaps this past season at Ole Miss, totaled 10 tackles and one sack. He took a visit to Ohio State this past weekend, did not commit coming out of that visit. What's the latest feels you have on Malone and Miami? Yeah, I think that I, I think that my I think Miami's in a in an okay spot there. Um, you know, I think since Tyron Malone hit the portal he's kind of been linked to Miami. He was almost immediately linked to Miami. And that's because he has the body type exactly of what Miami is looking for along the, like at the defensive tackle spot. A lot of what we like, what we've talked about in the past when we've talked about the interior defensive line, six foot four, 315 pounds, um, a little bit over a hundred snaps, you know, over the course of his career at Ole Miss, uh, you know, not like a massive sample size, but again, I think just that body type is someone that I, I think he can find his way into the rotation uh, at Miami, potentially a lot sooner than at Ohio State, who has no shortage of size uh, along the, the the defensive line. So I think that, uh, you know, again, just kind of chatting with chatting with people uh, who know people who who are around Malone. It does seem like Miami is a school that those guys want to check out. Uh, so, again, I, I haven't been able to kind of pin down a date or solidify that, you know, Taiwan Malone is definitely visiting. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in South Florida soon checking out the Hurricanes. And I think if things go well, you know, I would feel pretty good about Miami's chances there. And then Kiwi Rose is a uh, – am I saying his name right? Kiwi, do we know? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that sounds right to me. That's how I was saying it. Kiwi Rose out of Louisiana Tech, kind of a veteran defensive tackle. He's played 1,400 snaps in his career at Louisiana Tech this past year, 24 tackles, four tackles for loss and two sacks. Um, he's a guy, I guess, Miami's looking to possibly bring in this weekend for a visit. Yeah, it seems like, you know, he's someone that could definitely get down here this weekend. Uh, he, he Again, he's kind of like that big prototype body that you want, six foot four, 303 pounds, the first team all-conference USA interior defensive lineman. Uh, you know, Miami does have connections to the state of Louisiana. Kiwi Rose isn't from Louisiana. But, uh, you know, recruiting staffer Dennis Smith, he was at Louisiana Tech coaching uh, when Kiwi Rose was recruited. So I believe that there is a relationship there uh, to an extent that could potentially benefit Miami. And if Rose does get down to South Florida this weekend, uh, you know, again, I think you have to be feeling pretty good about where that could potentially go. How about wide receiver? Another position that 
we are hyper focused on. Uh, yeah. Xavier Henderson, I think you reported right. He visited. Did he? Was it an official visit? Last it was week? an unofficial visit last week. Okay, so he was on campus last week. Transfer from Florida, 6'3", 195 last year. He had 410 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Uh, again, did that with somewhat erratic quarterback play. So he's a guy that could be a deep threat with more consistent quarterback play. What's your understanding on how this uh, transfer portal recruitment is going? Yeah, I kind of got word late last week that Miami wasn't feeling super confident about where they were kind of at in that recruitment. I think during the week, I mean, there's a lot of things that kind of initially made sense. Uh, he's, I mean, Xavier Henderson is from Miami. He played his high school football at uh, Miami Columbus, which is the alma mater of Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal, Alonzo Highsmith, you know, a lot of the big faces of the University of Miami football program. He got on campus pretty quickly after, you know, hitting officially being in the transfer portal. These are all positive signs, um, but I'm not exactly sure what changed just as the week went on, but I think that there was just kind of a, a drop in confidence from Miami's end. And, you know, it does seem like Cincinnati might be one school to watch. And yeah, that sounds really weird and strange and all those things, but uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, just not really seeming to work out for Miami in that recruitment at, as you know, as things stand here on Wednesday, things can of course always change as, as we've known them to, uh, you know, over, you know, in these recruiting processes, but right now I'm not sure I see Xavier Henderson uh, at Miami. Then Jaquay Jackson, who is the D2 receiver we touched on in spring football because he visited during a practice. Uh, he plays at, I believe it's D2, right? California yeah. University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, over 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns last year. Number one, is Miami still interested in him? Number two, who are they battling to land him if they are? Yeah, I think Miami would still take. I think if he called Miami right now and said, "Hey, I'm I'm in," I think that they would be happy to accept his commitment because there is just such a great need at wide receiver. Um, I think there's definitely been some frustration with just how long the process has kind of played out. Um, you know, he is he got offered by Texas A&M kind of earlier. He finally got to Texas A&M. Uh, you know, this past week, I believe he started that official visit on Monday. It's probably wrapped up or pretty close to wrapped up. Uh, by now. So I think now that he's maybe seen a and I think that he there he's pro- potentially has seen everything that he's needed to see. Uh, I know he took at least four official visits. One was to Rutgers, one was to West Virginia. He took an official visit to Miami and now AM. So not sure if he used a fifth one or whatever the case is. I know at one point Pitt was thought to be a school that was really involved. I had recently heard that Miami was most concerned about Rutgers. AM maybe starts to press now and they get involved. So is AM a factor? Um, I think that we'll probably have some more clarity on Jaquay Jackson soon. But again, I'm not feeling like super confident that Miami is going to end up being the pick here. Interesting transfer portal edition from the weekend. Sahari Franklin, who comes from UTSA in uh, San Antonio, highly productive receiver at that level. He goes 6'1", 185, over a thousand yards, over 10 touchdowns in each of the last two seasons for his career. He's generated over 3,300 yards and 37 touchdowns. Um, Gabby, I imagine anyone with a wide receiver need would be interested in Mr. Franklin. And I know you posted on the board that Miami would likely be interested in Mr. Franklin. Do you have anything else to add there? Yeah, I just, I, I just know that they really like uh, Zakari Franklin. Um, again, for all the reasons that you mentioned, they need someone with production. Uh, Zakari Franklin is a, uh, 
is is definitely uh, one of the more intriguing names that's that's in the transfer portal. If you're looking for a wide receiver, there's a few there's a few solid names in there. I think he's definitely one that that they want. I I haven't been able to pick up any any momentum there in terms of just it has that interest actually led Miami anywhere. I don't believe that it has. Um, so I think they're still kind of chipping away, David. I think they're trying to figure this whole thing out. And, uh, you know, of course I think it's something that they will eventually get figured out, but I'm not sure if any of these situations are going to be the ones that, that come to fruition. How about Keon Coleman, who is Michigan state transfer portal wide receiver. Uh, he goes six, four, two, 10, 798 yards last year, seven touchdowns. The thing that I think makes him like if I was picking wide receiver, just dream scenario for Miami to land, it would be Keon Coleman. He caught 10 of 16 contested catch targets last year. So basically he changes the equation on 50-50 balls, uh, reeled in on, on deep shots that were contested catches. He reeled in seven of 10 of those deep shot targets. Um, so he's a guy that goes out and wins balls one-on-one against defensive backs. I think he'd be the perfect fit. I think he'd give Miami, I think he's the rare player that might be worth one win. If you get him for an entire season healthy and you have a uh, Tyler Van Dyke healthy for an entire season as well. Um, I do think, from what I've been told, Miami is highly interested in him. I don't know how much that interest has been reciprocated, um, but I do know Miami, of course, is highly interested in Keon Coleman. Where it goes, I'm unsure. Have you heard anything in that regard? Well, I mean, Zach Blostein over at Knowles 247 posted an update uh, with Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman's actually going to be at Florida State this weekend for an official visit, and some of the other schools that they mentioned um, that he mentioned involved are Oklahoma, LSU, and North Carolina. And of course highlighted that, you know, Dylan Gabriel, at Oklahoma is, you know, a productive quarterback. Jaden Daniels at LSU is a talented quarterback. Drake may, as we know, is going to be one of the top picks in next year's NFL draft. He can elevate the stock of a pass of a, of a wide receiver. And then, you know, Jordan Travis is a solid quarterback who also had a, you know, a, a really good 2022 season. And, you know, those are some of the guys that I guess Keon Coleman appears interested in playing with. So right now, no, no real Miami buzz there, but uh, there is some buzz to Miami's biggest rival on the schedule. So that could be just like a double, double whammy for the Hurricanes if that situation came together. How about cornerback? Uh, there was a recent offer here for a late addition to the portal. Uh, Louisiana corner Trey Amos. Uh Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. He goes 6'1, 189. I think widely viewed as a future NFL draft pick in some round, you know, NFL draft pick corners, very hard to get. And so I would imagine he's going to be a hot commodity in the portal. What's what are you hearing with Miami and, and Trey Amos? Yeah, I, I think this is one situation that they're gonna really pursue. I mean, I wrote on Monday that I thought even if they went and got Jaden Davis, that I thought that they were going to still pursue uh, a second cornerback. And Trey Amos is, uh, is, is, is probably the most popular name in the transfer portal right now. Uh, you know, almost immediately had offers from Alabama, Florida, Miami, uh, Oregon, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Penn state, a bunch of schools are throwing their hat in the ring uh, of this recruitment. And when that happens, you never really know which way it's going to go. 
Um, you know, I, I mean, I think he, the, the kids from uh, Louisiana, I believe uh, LSU took like four cornerbacks or three or four cornerbacks in the transfer portal. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the best, the best fit, but if they feel like he's going to play, maybe LSU is, is, is a natural spot. I mean, of course the intrigue of going to Alabama is always a big deal. Oregon, I think has done a really good job with transfers that they've kind of prioritized. Uh, I think Miami, this, this would be a, a really, really big uh, type of get for, for the Hurricanes. He played for Billy Napier at Louisiana Lafayette. So, I mean, maybe Florida is just, again, one of those natural fits that it just kind of makes sense that way. Um, not sure uh, exactly what direction that's going right now. Um, but I, I know that's one that Miami is going to kind of, you know, again, do what they got to do to try to, you know, stay involved in that one. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation. And Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial, and let's take pride in our finances. Gabby, are there any names, no, not necessarily that like Miami has shown interest in, but are there any names that you're interested in, in terms of like, you wish Miami would make a strong play at this player? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a couple. I mean, I think one that stands out is uh, is Jordan Tyson. I mean, he's a receiver out of, out of Colorado. He played at Allen, Texas. Um, he had a really, really good year. I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull up his stats here now, but he had a really good year for, uh, he had a really good year last year. He was one of the bright spots on that Colorado offense. I think he had over, I think it was like 22 catches for like 400 plus yards, um, had a few touchdowns too. And then he kind of went down for an injury. Um, I think just kind of people who are, you know, invested in the success of Miami that want to see Tyler Van Dyke get weapons. I think he's a name that, uh, you know, was kind of thrown my direction as someone like, Hey, I think it would be good if Miami even went after a guy like this. So I think he's someone that, that I'm super intrigued by. I, I mean, him specifically is a, is definitely one. I mean, Amos is, is, is another one that, that I definitely like. Um, I mean, none one guy of I like is, um, Notre Dame running back Logan Diggs. I yeah. think he would be a nice fit. I don't think Miami has, you know. I think he's their... going to go to LSU. That's right. that's kind of like the word on the street. It's just hard with these guys because it feels he's like from the guys that are available, it's just kind of like a lot of these dudes just kind of like know where they're going. Right. He's from Louisiana. He was the number two back at Notre Dame last year, though. Ran for 800 yards, caught 10 passes for 200 yards. So he accounted for 1,000 yards as the number two back. He's bigger, six foot, two fifteen. 
but yes, the assumption is that he's going to LSU because he is a guy from Louisiana. Uh, but at a place like Miami, he could go be the man at Miami and uh, he would help the team significantly, I think, at running back. Gabby, there's some JUCO um, buzz happening with Miami on the recruiting trail. I'm just going to give you the floor. There's like a few JUCO names to know. Run us through each of them. Tell them what we need to know. Yeah, I think the, let's go with the first the one that's kind of emerged today. That's Shamar Kirk. The He's, he's a wide receiver out of uh, junior college in California. He's had an extremely productive, um, you know, he's, he's had a really, really productive two years. At the junior college level uh, last year, uh, he caught 45 passes for 782 yards at 17.4 yards per catch, had eight touchdowns a year before. He went for 664 yards with seven scores. So that's a that Miami offered him here on what is it, Wednesday afternoon? I kind of got word Monday, uh, Wednesday morning that he was someone that that they were really that they were, you know, recruiting. I think he's going to be down for a visit this weekend. I think that that's kind of. Uh, the expectation right now. So again, I, I was, was, that was kind of a morbid wide receiver transfer portal segment. Uh, but I think that this is a so name. Is he a guy that like Colby Young last year, would he be eligible for this upcoming year? Yeah. And he would get here sooner than Colby Young. So Colby Young yeah. was like a late, like a really late, like a July edition. Um, the, the Shamar Kirk, I believe could get here in the summer. He's already played both of his, his uh, junior college seasons. So he's available. Uh, you know, he took an official visit to Texas A&M. Uh, Purdue's offered him. Uh, UCF has offered him. He's got some Power Five interest. Mississippi State's another SEC school who's offered him. So Shamar Kirk is definitely a, a name that they're that they're going after. So um, I think that that's again it, it, his highlight tape is is definitely not bad. And again, he's been he's been productive. So um, that 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 could be one situation that works out, especially uh, you know if he does come follow through with that visit. Uh, this coming weekend. Uh, the other is Amari is Amari Wiggins. He's an interior offensive lineman out of Coffeyville Community College in Kansas. Uh, he's kind of transitioning to the center spot. Played a lot of center here in the in, in spring, and that's the tape that Miami offered him based on. Um, so he's going to be in an, on an official visit this weekend. Also, I think that they view him as someone who could potentially be uh, Matt Lee's replacement. Uh, as the center of the future after he, you know, presumably goes off to the NFL after the season as they're expecting to expecting him to. So Amari Wiggins is a uh, six foot, I think he's six foot three, 310 pounds. Um, you know, he's picked up even, you know, he's even recently he picked up Maryland. I think he picked up, I think it was like Tulsa or something offered him here on Wednesday morning also. So he's generating some, you know, F FBS interest um, and some schools again at the power five level. Is he a guy as well that could arrive this year or is he? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he, he's ready to go. He's someone that once he commits, I think he can get to campus. So, I mean, once this next enrollment period opens up, uh, you know, Shamar Kirk and um, Amari Wiggins are two guys who can, who, who will be ready to kind of be on campus. And honestly, I could see the Wiggins situation uh, working out pretty well. Like I think if this visit goes well uh, for Amari Wiggins, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of jumped on the boat. And then there's a tight end to know as well at the Juco level. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This guy's tape is, is a lot of fun. His name is Connor Gilbreth. Uh, he's a, he's, he plays at Butte football, uh, Butte college football in California. Also, he's a six foot six. It lists himself at six foot six, 270 pounds. Uh, will never catch a pass, uh, for Miami. I don't believe he's kind of just a, a C, a C gap blocker 
uh, a guy that just kind of, you know, just has built for the running game. He's basically a third offensive tackle. Um, all he does is block his highlight tape is five minutes of him just blocking. And uh, it's, it's pretty fun to watch if you're into all of that stuff. So I think Miami's really excited about him. Unlike these other two guys, he is someone that's not going to be eligible to join a team until December. Uh, so he should be considered like a 2020, a class 2024 prospect, but he is a, a junior college guy that I think, uh, again, they, they want to take two uh, tight ends. They want to take an inline guy, someone like, uh, Gilbreth, who is, is just going to be a blocker, maybe someone who could also go out and catch passes. Um, and they want to take kind of a flex tight end. Um, so I think Gilbreth is someone, again, an older guy who's a big physical body that you can kind of throw in there and just say, Hey, go, go block this guy. And I think, uh, you know, he can get that done. So uh, that he, he definitely has some people in Miami excited and I wouldn't be surprised. And I think Miami wants to get eyes on him, like evaluate him in person. I don't think that they've, they've done that yet, but I think that there's a general feeling that this kid might end up blowing up because of, because what he can do, he does really, really well. And, and that physicality matters. All right. And let's wrap it up here at the high school level with some summer official visits starting to get set and also just kind of introducing new names. So there's other guys that we've talked about plenty here on the podcast that have also said official visits. But I just want to highlight kind of the new names that are going to be visiting Miami or scheduled to visit Miami in the month of June. And let's start with wide receiver. Braylon Staley, who goes six foot 175, number 226 overall player in the country, according to the composite. He is from Aiken High School in South Carolina. Clemson is the crystal ball leader. What do you think we need to know here about this recruitment, Gabby? Yeah, Miami loves them some Braylon Staley. Uh, he visited in the he visited in the in the in the springtime, I think towards the tail end of spring. Uh, Miami's going to get him down that first weekend of June. Uh, Miami's actually going to go watch him on Friday. He has a track meet there in his home state of South Carolina. And uh, Kevin Beard will be out in South Carolina to watch him run. Uh, again, I think this is someone that they feel like they have some, some pretty positive momentum with. Seems like he has an official visit to Tennessee as well. Uh, Clemson is having their only official visit weekend of the summer, the same weekend that he will be at Miami. So I think that that's pretty pretty telling about the, you know, about, you know, just where the in-state Tigers stand and North Carolina seems to be a school that's recruiting him as well. So um, he's an athletic guy. He won the, he won the triple jump, the, the triple jump in the state of South Carolina as a sophomore, he won a state title. Um, and, you know, again, he's someone that can, that can run pretty well too. And I think that they're really excited about his skill set. So uh, Braylon Staley's is, is definitely a name to know at wide receiver. Wide receiver Draylon Miller. He goes 6'2", 198. Number 64 overall player in the country at a Silsby, Texas, uh, Silsby High School. What do we need to know there? Yeah, I, I mean, this is a big body type, right? I mean, kind of exactly what the doctor ordered, six foot two, uh, you know, pushing 200 pounds. Uh, Miami introduced their new director of recruiting operations. Uh, she comes from, her name, her name slips my, my mind right now, and I do apologize for that. But, uh, you know, he, Draylon Miller kind of quote tweeted her announcement that she was that she was going to be at, you know, the new director of recruiting at Miami. And he seemed really, really excited about it. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those Texas connections that Miami's kind of established, um, you know, are, are, are kind of paying off. And again, Draylon Miller uh, has that first weekend at Miami. He also has a USC visit uh, locked up as well. So uh, I think this is someone we're still learning about, obviously a, a bunch of names in play at a bunch of different positions, especially at wide receiver with all the local options. But uh, Draylon Miller is definitely an out-of-state name to, to kind of keep in mind. 
Yeah, I believe her name is Tia Joseph. Tia I Joseph, there it is. Yep. And I think she comes from maybe Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cornerback Dakota Fields, six uh, two one seventy five, number seventy eight overall player in the country, out of Sarah High School in California. Oregon is the crystal ball leader for one of the top corners in the West coast. Yeah. I, again, I think there's someone that Miami is still recruiting at a, at a high level. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a tough pool out of the West coast. I mean, I think the ducks are in a really good spot there. I mean, he already has, he has a, a late June official visit with ducks. We know all about those late June official visits and how that's the weekend. You kind of want to get the ducks who are the crystal ball favorite. Again, have that one locked up. USC gets him the first weekend of June. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how much this ends up working out for Miami, but I do think that this is one that they're pursuing Dakota Fields. He was in South Florida uh, during that battle Miami weekend. I believe he was playing with sound mind, sound body, or maybe Australian boys. But regardless, I mean, he was playing with those guys and he did come through campus. Uh, so he has been around the program, but, you know, hasn't spent that extensive time. Uh, but I think Jamile Dye is, is someone who's been recruit has been working in that one. Offensive lineman, Asendre Afua. Goes 6'4", 310 out of O'Day High School in Seattle, Washington. Number 74 overall player in the country. He's more of an interior offensive lineman, correct, Gabby? Yeah, he's an, he's an inside guy. Again, I think this is one that Miami's feeling really good about. Uh, you know, I think that they, they've kind of found a way to pull these guys out of the Pacific Northwest. Um, I think that really Miami did a good job just kind of getting him down for an unofficial visit and then doing what they had to do during that unofficial Miami's the only official visit he has locked in right now. That's for June 16th, which is kind of turning into a pretty big weekend. And yeah, ideally you want to get that, maybe that last weekend, but that uh, June 16th, 16th weekend is, is going to be a pretty nice one too. Um, so again, I think that's one situation that they're feeling relatively confident about, you know, in terms of just being able to close this summer. Then I want to end here on this. Uh, Ellis Robinson, yep. number seven overall player in the country, one of the top corners in the country. He's committed to Georgia, but he has recently set an official visit to Miami in the month of June. What should we make of this? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's tough to say right now. Uh, I, I do believe that that Ellis has legitimate interest in Miami. Um, you know, he was he visited in January just before he kind of gave Georgia that commitment. And I think really the whole time he's been kind of consistent with saying that Miami's done a really good job recruiting him. Uh, you know, he's been around the program a few times with his parents. Um, you know, he camped at Miami like that was kind of like one of the places where he first kind of blew up. He kind of first emerged onto the scene is when he camped at Miami. And, you know, he kind of ended up walking away as like a top performer from that one. So uh, Miami ended up being one of the first schools to offer him and all that stuff, too. So I do think Miami's done a really good job of just kind of being a being like a constant in that recruitment. Uh, he's close by. He's at IMG Academy, a school Miami's again recruited really well. He came down for the spring with family and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, took in an unofficial visit, uh, you know, to kind of see the school again. Uh, he has an official visit with Miami scheduled. I believe that's the only one outside of Georgia. And look, I think it's going to be an extremely hard pull to get Ellis Robinson. He's a top rated cornerback in the country away from Georgia, just considering, I mean, you, 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 we talked about the NFL draft stuff. I mean, it's hard to turn down the opportunity to play for the Bulldogs. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's tough, but I, I think Miami's doing what they kind of have to do to try to keep this recruitment as interesting as they can. And again, I think that official visit, that step of taking an official visit, I think is, is telling, uh, you know, of his interest in them. All right, good stuff, Gabby. We'll get out of here on that. Appreciate everyone 
for listening to this podcast. Appreciate all our sponsors and their support. It means so much to us. And until next time, take care.